Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today we're gonna to be talking about our first training principle, individuality. This is the principles of principle, and I know that might sound redundant, but this is the baseline understanding truth of it. One of the things that we wanna establish with individuality is that N equals one, that everyone will respond to the same stress differently. Same person will respond to the same stress at a different time differently. Again, that sample size is you, and that sample will respond differently at different times and comparatively speaking to other people. Check this out along with our module on our website, PH Podcast, become a member. You can see all four components, principles, practical, case study, which is exclusive to members, so we do a whole case study in every module that we do, and interview with the strength coach. All these things accentuate the learning. Not only that, you get access to our forum, where we can collaborate, ask questions, you can get direct communication with me of, hey, what do you think about this? Why'd you go into this area of the podcast? I noticed within the module we went through this, why that as opposed to this? An amazing learning opportunity to collaborate and connect with others. If you guys didn't know, we actually have our book available for order, Strength Deficit, Leveraging Eccentric versus Concentric Ratios. This is gonna be your go-to resource to understand how to gain strength eccentrically versus concentrically or vice versa, and what that's gonna have an impact either on positional or sport demands. Strength Deficit, also available at phpodcast.com. Finally, I wanna give special thanks to realize.me. This is your command center for all health and wellness data. This is what I use to track all of my data. I use it with myself, a lot of my clients, seamless integration from my wearables, Whoop, Aura, Apple Watch, everything that I'm tracking is going straight to my Realize account and then it's creating this centralized hub. I just finished a four-part blog series going through how and why I use Realize as a centralized dashboard to create experiments and all sorts of cool things I can do for myself. And now I'm doing it with my clients as well. So a lot of my clients, I'm now utilizing that with them to kind of give them some feedback, allowing them to see their progress, allowing them to see what I'm seeing in terms of the bigger picture. Data is such a critical aspect of all training. Realize.me is now a tremendous resource for you, the coach or the athlete, to dive deeper into these things. So head over to Realize.me, read through my blog, read through Ryan Lissack's blogs, we're going through how he's utilizing this platform, the founder and creator. A lot of really cool stuff there. It's in beta right now, so you can get early access there. Fired up for you guys. I think it's a tremendous resource. Cannot say enough good things about it. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into principles of individuality. All right, so we're moving into our first principle of training individuality. And this is, this should be extremely obvious, right? We should be able to look at individuality of responses to training as something that is a guarantee. The fact that I'm my age, my training age, my physiological readiness, my experience with a certain protocol, my motivation, the environment, all has a profound influence on what the impact's gonna be, relatively speaking to someone else, with a completely different setup. One of the things that I think is so critical behind individuality is this idea that we dive into, we are working with open systems, we work within complex environments, and the tasks that we usually work within are multivariate. 
So before we dive into these key things behind what makes individuality something we should consider is what actually the principle of individuality should be classified as. And this is directly from NSCA. Every individual is unique and respond differently to the same training stimulus. Some of these differences can be influenced by many characteristics. For instance, biological age, training age, gender, body size, shape, past injuries, many more. For example, a college athlete makes a copy of his exact training program and gives it to his little brother, who is a freshman in high school. The younger brother does not miss a workout, and at the end of the program, he's disappointed in the results. Though many variables could play a role in the results, the primary factor is most likely larger range in biological and training age. This is from Sands. So when we start to think about I work at a team setting. I work with privates. I only train myself. Not only will every single one of your clients, athletes, and people, relatively speaking to yourself, respond differently, the same person will respond differently to the same program. I do three days a week, a five by five, for four weeks, right now in this current moment, I wait, I don't know, another four weeks. I do some sort of three sets of 10 protocol. Then I come back to the five sets of five. I will have a drastically different response. This comes back to this key fundamental aspect. We are all open systems. The way we procure energy is from the outside world, meaning that we can't make energy internally. And this creates this landscape of entropy or the inevitable chaos that happens within our physiology and even biomechanics, right? When we look at cellular function and physiology, the decay or breakdown of our cellular machinery, the mitochondria, all the other things that make DNA and RNA and everything else associated with with cellular function, even looking at the cellular wall. The change of all those constitutes is what makes us on a physiological level respond differently every single time to training. There's going to be times where mitochondria are running really efficiently. There's going to be times when they're running really inefficiently. There's going to be times that we start to produce more mitochondria or we start to go through fusion. And we start to take multiple mitochondria and conform them into one. There's times where we have great capillary function. There's times that we have great alveoli function. We have times that we have incredible mind-body connection. I can go on and on and on. But the truth is, from the cellular all the way up to the physiology of the system, that it's different every time we do something. It could be better, it could be worse. It could be worse in some factors and better in others and vice versa. The other aspect is biomechanics. And, and we talk a lot about this in, our, in all of our stuff. 
But if you really want me to press, if you really want to press me against the wall, the way we formed what we did, it really comes down to uh, this whole curriculum is the psychology, which is through coaching, the physiology, which is through what would classify as nutrition, and then the, the biomechanics, which is what would classify through movement. I just feel like those were terms that were going to be readily appreciated, understood, and easily, uh, easily adapted to any setting. But how we leverage the psychological, physiological, and biomechanical, or sometimes classified as the bioenergetic, the biomechanic, and then what we're really trying to do is influence biomotor, we can change any training input. You adjust our training input to meet those setups from the psychological, physiological, and biomechanical environment or setup or, or individual or organism. And when we start to think about the biomechanics and you look at some of the stuff from Bernstein's law that no two movements are the same, that we're moving with a different set of machinery every single day, that we're, that we're never going to be 100% locked in no matter how much times we re- rehearse something, which is not a bad thing because it makes us more resilient, actually, if you really think about it. But... It allows for variance from how we respond or how we do something every single time. But that's the key. That is why individuality is so important. Now, from here, you can say, Tim, I'm just going to throw my hands up because what's the point? What is the point? And you might hear someone say something along the lines of, what's the point of of periodizing, especially on the other end. We are moving towards open or unpredictable multivariate environments with a ton of variables to consider. More variables than we can count. So not only we're working with open systems that procure energy from the outside world that are going to be different from a physiological and biomechanical perspective every single time we do something we're moving to an environment that's unpredictable and with zero constraints that is a very very heavy realization and that's something that I really want you to pause and think about and the problem is these are principles in physics these are absolutely first principles that we have to absolutely unequivocally accept that humans are open systems living in multivariate complex environments. And the task we're asked to do something is at the mercy of those two variables that we're going to respond differently and we're going to have no real clear strategy for what we're going to do because it's never going to be predictable. Now, as we start to get further along, you know, this goes into the the more you learn, the less you think you know, um, or the Dunning-Kruger, you know, this idea of early on, it's reductionist, and we start to essentially either take this approach or copy the recipe from a person I work with or before, or I do what works for me. Right, that I've achieved something that's 
positive or aspirational. It could be genetic, it could be pharmaceutical, it could be it could be a whole cascade of things. I was just super motivated, right? You know, it's funny when people tell me like, man, I was down to like 6% body fat. Like, what was the environment for that? Oh, well, uh, my girlfriend dumped me and I was more motivated and I had more time than I ever had in my life. Well, what's your situation now? Well, I'm not motivated and I have less time. Do you think you can get back to that, right? Like that psychological motivation or incentive to do that is now gone and you're working with a different physiological machinery. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that we're gonna have to either get you dumped again or get you a situation where all you have to do is train. And can we do that readily? Probably not. But when we start to think about this idea of why we do what we do and the bias or the agenda, or the preference that we start to display with training programs, it has to come back to, it is all just an elaborate scientific method to figure out what works for that individual at that given moment. They're just a bunch of different individual case studies. And the term we, we like to use here at PH is N equals one. That this sample size that we're working with is gonna be this everyone's individual. Now, as we start to dive a little bit deeper into this, there's going to be this, this regression to the mean, this, this eventual inevitable that most people are going to fall within this bell curve distribution of responses. That majority of the people are going to respond pretty average. Some people respond really well and some people respond really poorly. My message to most people is try to get them mostly to the right meaning that we're getting mostly positive, that that bell curve is skewed to the right hand of high responding. That if we have 80% of our, our clients or athletes responding moderate high and our regression to the mean is now moved over and up and to the right, that a mean now is more, right? That whatever 100% is of the top end result we get, that everyone's moved a little bit more to the, the higher end of that. The ceiling has been raised. But as we start to push through, we still have to appreciate, regardless of everything naturally and organically moving to this bell curve or regression to the mean type of setup, it still comes down to everyone is going to respond uniquely and differently to said stress or said training programming. And that's why it's so important to respect and appreciate individuality. And there's another really good line that outliers create the norm, right? This, this idea from people who do a lot of work in open systems and a lot of work in complex environments uh, and looking at surgeons who are essentially repairing tissues and situations and environments that don't have any predictability. If you really think about it, once you open someone up and you start to change the architecture of someone's orthopedic system, to say that that's going strictly to plan is, is a farce. But then they go into what can we control? I can control my checklist. And this is why it's so imperative to go into principles of training. Because we work with open systems, so we have no idea what their physiological setup is on that given day. We're moving towards multivariate complex environments. We have no idea what they're going to do. We don't. 
But I do know those principles. And I do know one thing about principles is it's true regardless of what the setting is, the person is, or whatever else we're doing. And if we have that peace of mind to at least do the thing that's absolutely true every single time, we're going to be better in situations that we don't know how they're going to respond and we don't know what they're going to do. I don't know you. I don't know how you're going to respond to this set rep exercise schema. I don't know what's going to happen during the course of a practice or a game because it's infinite in possibilities. But I do know that you'll respond differently to what I do than someone else. And I think that's the part that you as a coach or a person writing programs for yourself or others needs to be comfortable acknowledging. This is a really big moment for most of us to try to go through in a very, very pragmatic and and deep thought kind of way. Like you should sit with that. You should understand that. You should appreciate that. Because what it does is creates a concentric circle off of whatever worked for you in the past, whatever you've seen work at a high level, whatever you think might have worked in a setting that that's what you're missing is a farce. It's not pertinent to you. The circumstances that made that training program successful were unique and individual to that setting, that environment. There could be absolutely some carryover and some transfer. There could be some sort of residual from placebo of I'm really motivated to make this work because it works so well for somebody else. There could be some sort of, it was just a really good program that was based off of principles of training that really apply on multiple settings. Absolutely. But again, what was the, the drivers of success are not relevant to anyone else but that person in that situation at that time. That same group that had a tremendous success doing a certain program would not have the same level of success, whether positive, better or worse, and the next time they do it. They can do the same program every year, every, every decade, they're going to get different responses every time, better or worse. And sometimes it's psychological. Sometimes just the environment that makes it the biggest influence. Not necessarily the, the rationale behind the biomechanics and all these other things. But I think that's the thing. As you start to look through why this is important, it gives you permission to say, I don't know. But we're going to find out. In between, I don't know and finding out is relying on things that you know are absolutely true. Principles. Principles are foundational. So we're going to talk about individual individuality. And looking at this idea of said that specific adaptations to impose demands are the product of doing things redundantly to get some sort of outcome. That I don't know what's going to happen, but I know if I do something over and over and over again, it's going to make a change, relatively speaking, to those things that I'm doing over and over and over again. That I can get, I can squat every day and I get better at squatting doesn't necessarily universally mean I'm better at football. 
I'll be better at squatting. It's specific to that. As long as we're pragmatic and rationale with our training, we should make improvements with that exercise, but I, there's no guarantee it's going to carry over. And then we get into this idea of dynamic correspondence, which is meaning that we have some sort of concentric circle off the things that we do. That's going to either improve their general capacity or their specific capacity. But as we start to look through the other principles, like progression, going from simple to complex or complicated, slow to fast, stable to unstable, closed to open, low constraint or high constraint to low constraint, we start to look at progressive overload of intensity, volume, density. We start to look at things like reversibility, use it or lose it, diminishing returns. All of these things have imperative and critical aspects to saying, I don't know what's going to happen when I apply this protocol to you at this given time, but I do know it's going to include these principles that it's going to have individuality, specificity, progression, progressive overload, reversibility, and diminishing returns. And from there, I'm going to do a, a whole litmus of screens to see, or I'm sorry, not litmus, but a list of screens to tell, determine what the, the best vector is. And I'm going to start to create rules off of those screens and, and those those assessments. And I'm going to start to look at checking these boxes to say they're restricted to range of motion or they're asymmetrical or they're eccentrically weak or they're concentrically weak or they're slow or they're heavy or they have bad body comp. Those are going to shape and form the rules that I need to apply in order to be successful. And again, I am decreasing the variables in a multivariate environment to allow me to be more consistently successful. So that N equals one probability of success is what before I make these screens, assessments, and rules versus after I make these screens, assessments, and rules is a lot higher that that regression to the mean starts to move over and up and to the right. That I start to become more consistently successful by always paying attention to principles of training and then making rules based off of screens and assessments that's pertinent and specific to that person and what they want to accomplish. Talk about it quite a bit with my coaches here. If they want to lose weight, how are we setting up our training to do that? Start through their screen. Well, where are they at? What's their body count? What's their body mass? After that, it should go into specificity. They want to lose weight. So we have to have more work in our training programs. They have to do a higher volume of work and a short or high, higher volume of, of exercises or sets and reps in a shortened period of time or the same period of time that their work to rest ratio needs to be more skewed towards work. If they wanted to gain weight, we have to adjust your time under tension and intensity at that time under tension. If they wanted to get faster, we had to work with higher intensity or higher rate of force development things. The Occam's razor is the most obvious answer is probably the best one. 
And if they want to change something, it's our job to figure out that what that is and then create rules based off our screens and assessments. And what you might find is biomechanically, they're broken in a lot of areas. You might find physiologically they're broken in a lot of areas. These are rate limiting steps that you have to address and fix or work around. But getting back into, we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what's gonna happen to that individual in that given period of time. That is either paralyzing, crippling, or facilitating to you to do more, to do better, to understand more and to have some sort of concrete definitive, this is the situation we're in and I know that so I can work these variables to make sure I get to that point. The power you have is infinite as a coach. You just need to start looking at the things that are directly true and more specific to that situation. And to say things like periodization is obsolete or long-term planning is silly I think that's looking at it in a glass half empty pessimistic approach that you should have the courage to make a long-term trajectory in theory about what's going to happen and then if it's not happening the way you want have the the courage to go okay i'm going to adjust my plan i'm going to fine tune because i didn't know but i had an idea I, i did my assessments I created some rules. I'm paying attention to principles of training. We're moving in this trajectory. These variables that I associated with this person from a training stress standpoint isn't working out the way I want, so I'm going to shift and adjust. And I said this at the beginning of the podcast is marry yourself to outcomes, not solutions. What's our true north? What's our outcome? Am I moving that closer? Yes or no? If I'm not, adjust. Ask yourself, am I executing or was it the actual construct of what I thought would be effective in terms of training? If you're not executing, fix that first. Go through a full range of motion. Hit your sets and reps and tempo. Hit the intensity you're supposed to hit. All those things that are associated with quality reps or rep integrity, set integrity, training integrity, and then move into the next level of was the hypothesis you created around training I'm going to do German volume training with this person who wants to put on muscle. Okay, great. Makes sense until it doesn't. And then you have to adjust. Too much volume. Oh, I did four days of German volume training. Too much volume and frequency. Not enough rest and recovery. Not enough calories. Too long of a training block. Got to do two-week training blocks of German volume training. Can't do four. People break down. Okay, two weeks. Oh, Wow can't go from this high intensity intensification block to the block before into general volume training. Too much CNS fatigue. You learn, you grow, you change, you make notes. And you say, that's specific to that environment, but I'll make a mental note to make sure that I'm accounting for CNS and residual fatigue and calories with this person and seeing the effect of, what if I did that again but I altered a little bit less intensification in the block before. I go a little, little bit more functional hypertrophy. I increase the calories and I drop German volume training down to two and maybe take a high-low high low approach. So I'll do GBT on Monday and Thursday and then I'll do strongman and aerobic capacity on, Thursday, on Tuesday, Friday. And then if they're gaining lean muscle, 
I cracked the code for that time. Not sure it's gonna translate to the next time I do that. And if I do the exact same, it won't work. Again, go back to your notes. What could you do better? What could you do? What could you do more efficiently? How could you execute at a higher level? So, first step, first principle of training. This is going to be a long one. Um, you know, I'm just I think this is so important, and I think everyone, hopefully, listening to this, appreciates the fact that we're never too good to go through the principles of training. In fact, quite frankly, I see a lot of coaches and trainers skip this step. And when someone asks me what's a good and bad program. I can just simply resort to what are the principles? What, are they there or not? If it's not, it's a bad program. Sorry, it is. If you are lacking in principles of training, your program is incomplete. You're not formally trained. You don't appreciate the things absolutely are true. And you have, you have a program that compromises not only the performance, potentially the safety of that client or athlete. That's a bad program. It's malpractice, in my opinion. It's negligence or that's ignorance. Either way, it's bad. If you don't know and you don't do, that's negligence. If you do know and don't do, that's or that's ignorance. Sorry, ignorance is you don't know, don't do. Negligence is you do know and don't do. So as you start to break down which one are you, one's not worse than the other. They're both bad. You need to learn more or be more accountable to yourself to do it more. And as you start to look through your programs, and we all go through our phases, if it doesn't have principles, start there. Create rules, structural balance. These things are, if they have asymmetries, train more unilaterally. You know, these things all have, all have important aspects or important impacts on what's gonna happen to the bottom line, but also too, it's how we create a profession that's respected and appreciated with our peers or someone else working within the health and fitness industry. If you want to gain traction with a physical therapist or orthopedist, have the backbone to do stuff that's actually physically true. Because they know just as well as anybody that the body's going to respond in a very unique way. They go through a treatment plan. It's going to have its own agenda when it goes through this response to that. And when we look at the medical system, we look at any kind of thing that's looking at pain modulation or disease states, they have their checklist, they have their principles. And we have to, we have to, we have to get on board with that as a profession. And I don't care if you got a college degree or not, you still should appreciate the fact that principles are true. And it's when you tell me they don't matter, it means that you're not formally trained or don't really understand the consequences of things that you're doing. I think this is my soapbox here. This is where I need to really start to establish some sort of fundamental line in what good training and bad training is. And don't tell me there's such things as acceptable forms of training that aren't because they're lacking in principles. They lack actual physical proof or things that are absolutely true in all the universe. And therefore, they are compromising performance or safety. We're gonna dive a lot more into this here next week. Make sure you're checking out not only the modules, but actual the forums as well, because the forums are gonna be where we're gonna collaborate and connect. And just a point of good and bad training, you know, you can get on that forum and say, hey, I disagree. And I think that's really healthy for all of us, myself included. It's why we include 
a coach to talk about all of the modules because what one thing that we want here at PH is not to establish some sort of dogma or echo chamber that one person has this profound influence on the people and how they think and what they say that it should be collective and it should be discussed and debated that's why I have debates and lectures on here because I like when other coaches have a difference of opinion on certain things I think all of us are better when we have to really when we're really challenged in our thoughts and beliefs the principles aren't one of them and we're going to go through that in a little bit more here in practical next month, next week, and then all the other all the other principles of training. So check that out. Also, too, uh, if you guys want to kind of kind of get ahead and get in the case study, we're going to talk about fast twitch and slow twitch athletes. If you're not a member on the PH podcast curriculum, you don't have access to the case study. Case study is going to be that that n equals one example that you can really dive into as well as my practical experience working the team setting and commercial gym setting so i hope you guys enjoyed this check out ph podcast to get on all the modules and all the components of the modules and not just see or not just hear it you know see it live it breathe it the whole nine because it's only going to improve your quality quality of experience going through these appreciate you guys and we'll see you guys next week